this is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today I am delighted to have Gerald Hecht. He is the co-founder and the CEO of Fundera, which is an online marketplace that matches small business owners to the best possible lender. He started Fundera after his cousin experienced the frustration and lack of transparency of applying for a small business loan. Prior to that, he co-founded GroupMe, a group messaging service uh, that in August of 2011, it was acquired by Skype. Uh, prior to GroupMe, he also led the business development in Tumblr, uh, where he focused on international expansion and strategic partnerships. You know, he writes for columns, Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, Huffington Post. Um, you know, he's also an investor in several startups. I'm happy to have him on. Jared, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's go back in time. You know, how did Jared discover his love for entrepreneurship? Were your parents entrepreneurs? Uh, no, my parents were doctors, um, which to some degree might be the opposite of entrepreneurship. Um, however, I think both of them were very creative in their in their professions, um, you know, trying to generally push the boundaries of, of their general practice and help as many people as possible. So maybe they were entrepreneurs in the sense that they were there to help as many people as they possibly could. Um, but, I, you know, how I got into entrepreneurship is uh, kind of a random story. Uh, and it actually, I think, stems from my love of music. Uh, I've you know, been a lover of music all my life. Uh, played music all my life and for a long time thought I wanted to go into the music business when I was in college um, and started off by actually just managing bands, managing some of my friends' bands, um, trying to book them as many gigs as possible and actually ended up linking up with a couple friends to start and run a music promotion and production company, which to be quite honest, we started just so we could get into shows for free. Um, we figured it would be a really fun way to, to, get, to see a bunch of free music instead of having to pay for tickets and, you know, hopefully in a pipe dream, get to meet some of the musicians that we loved and admired most. And um, I think that's where my, my kind of career for entrepreneurship really started as, sure. a, as, a, hack, as a hack to get the, to go see live music for free. So, so what, you know, just curious, though, what kind of what instrument was your favorite? You know, what was you kind of the best at as far as, you know, your instruments? Oh, man. Um, probably saxophone. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Have you ever heard of Heifetz International? No, what's that? Uh, it's like a, well, you know, it's, it's an international music program where uh, some of the most renowned musicians, uh, they come to the U.S. and they teach, uh, they teach uh, I think it's anywhere between 14 to 18, uh, to be able to uh, craft their skill in their specific instrument. Uh, and some of them were violins, and some of them were uh, saxophones, and others were cellos. Yeah, I, I was just curious. You know, I, 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 I'm a music kid myself, so uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So for sure. So you know, music is kind of is kind of where it started. You know, prior to you graduating uh, from high school, you know, was your parents were like, "Well, hey, son, you know, we're doctors. I really think you should consider." 
this path as well because it's good for you it's a safe job it's a job in demand or were your parents very supportive and you know learning that you wanted to become an entrepreneur um you know my parents at no point ever pressured me uh into becoming a doctor uh in in any way whatsoever uh i think that they were you know uh cautiously supportive of you know me pursuing my past passions i think that you know i say cautious because there was a period of time when i was in high school where you know all i wanted to do was kind of drop out and start a rock and roll band um and they didn't like that i say uh, yeah well what, what uh, you think more like metallica or more like a lincoln lincoln park no, man. Um, you know, uh, at, at that point in time, I was really, and still am, into jam bands like the Grateful Dead and Fish. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I'm wearing those. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, I was, uh, uh, that's kind of the direction I was heading. I see. I yeah. see. Cool. So, uh, what, what, it's great that, you know, you know, they weren't forcing you to become a director because, you know, I do talk to several, several people time to time, and sometimes it does feel like, the parents do force that upon them, but it's great to have a supportive parent. So when you graduated from high school, uh, Jerry, what, what was the next step for you? Well, for me, it was going to college, um, uh, which I think, you know, my parents were somewhat shocked, um, that a, I went to college, um, and B somehow miraculously, um, was accepted to Columbia. So they were, they were pretty stoked about that and thought that I would, you know, take academics really seriously. Uh-huh. But I think, uh, you know, one of the issues with that uh, assumption that I would be very, very serious about academics was, uh, well, it was just wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I started school in New York City um, and, whoa, like amazing, uh, you know, living in New York City where you can go see live music every single night of the week. Yeah. But I spent more time focusing on that than I did uh, class and uh, coursework, um, you know, which... You know, my grades definitely suffered because of that, but no regrets. I was happy about it. That's what really set me down the path of like getting to meet a lot of people in the music industry, um, getting to work in the music industry, and, and starting to think about you know entrepreneurship inside the music industry. For sure. So you know, you definitely graduated there with your uh, degree in political science. Where was you hoping uh, to go with that? You know, were you thinking about becoming a politician? No, God, no. Uh, <laughs> Um, you, you know, uh, I think most people uh, pursue a degree in political science because they have no idea what the hell they want to do. Right. Um, right. So, so it's like, oh, poli sci. Worst case scenario, maybe I'll go to law school. Uh, uh, so like a liberal arts degree. Yeah, it's a liberal arts degree. I see. Um, uh, so like, you know, I, I went to college and I, I came out knowing how to read and write better uh-huh. uh, and, and how to argue better and at least sound mildly intelligent while I argued with people. For sure. um, and, and that's when you also, uh, prior to graduating from college, you was uh, uh, like a publisher and managing director of like a, um, a magazine. Yeah, it was a, guide, it was a guidebook to New York City, which was an incredible experience. And um, that was it was a little it was a, it was a book called Inside New York, um, which is distributed to incoming freshmen for undergraduate and graduate uh, 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 college cl- college classes across New York City. I see. And it's essentially given to people during orientation to say, "Hey, welcome to New York City. You've never been here before. Here's how you should think about exploring your city." And that was a really cool experience. Um, you know, we, we I spent my time there. A, publishing the book and putting it together, but also taking the publication digital um, for the very first time, which was a lot of fun. I think we probably failed pretty miserably, and I think since then the, the site has probably shut down. Um, but it was a really wonderful learning experience for me, and, and I think that was 
that was the first time that I've ever had an opportunity to like figure out what it was really like to um, grow a company, hire people, manage people, um, try and corral people around a common objective um, in a pretty structured environment. But uh, that that experience truly turned me on to the fact that I knew that one day I wanted to start a business. Start with a free audiobook. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time, but you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. Great. And let's kind of let's kind of draw the contrast because you definitely, uh, you know, there were some respects, you know, you, you're an investor of a startup now, but you actually started working for uh, several of them. Uh, one, one being the most famous one uh, as Tumblr. I'm interested to uh, hear about your experience working for a startup as opposed to becoming an entrepreneur and working for yourself. So let's start with Tumblr. You know, what was that experience like you know you know maybe maybe some bright spots maybe some dark spots definitely be interested in hearing that um i mean tumblr was uh tumblr was a i would i would characterize it as a as a very humbling learning experience mm. um it was my first kind of foray into the world of tech startups um, I got very, very lucky landing a job there. The only reason I landed it was because of my experience at Inside New York and because the president of Tumblr um, had actually received a book of Inside New York and we were serendipitously put in touch. And uh, John Maloney, the president, um, took a chance on me and offered me the opportunity of a lifetime for which I am forever indebted to him. Um, but you know, I joined Tumblr when there were six or seven people there. Wow. Uh, so it was a very, very small, small company. Um, and it was a product that was, you know, in the process of really kind of taking off like a rocket ship. So it's a really exciting time to be there. And, and really, you know, the, the better part of a year that I spent there, um, I think it was there a little bit over a year and change. Um, I just spent uh, learning as much as possible, absorbing as much as possible, meeting as many people as I possibly could, and understanding, trying to get an understanding of how products uh, were built, how customers interacted with them and engaged with them, um, and tried to decipher what worked and what didn't work so that ultimately one day I could go try it on my own. Um, but that was like a, that was a remarkable learning experience that really kind of helped, uh, helped me get a better understanding of what it meant to start a company. For sure. I mean, you you know, six to seven people, you was definitely, uh, you know, involved in Tumblr in its very early stages. And I would imagine, you know, since you was head on business development, that was more so like an executive position, was it not? No, I mean, I was 22 no. years old. To, to, to call me an executive at that company would be criminal. Um, no, you but know, I, I always say that. I always say it because a lot of times, you know, as startups go, the people who typically start start early with the company, as the company grows, they typically have a stake and they kind of sort of more or less serve like a leadership role in that company. Uh, I think, you know, when you're at a startup that, that early, you have an ability to impact the direction or at least some of the early success. And to be, you know, quite honest, uh, in, in no way whatsoever could you attribute any bit of or any iota of the success of Tumblr to me. Um, in, in either a direct line or in a line that zigzagged all across the world. 
I mean, that, that, that was a remarkable product that, you know, uh, David Karp, the founder, had kind of conceived of and built that just resonated with, you know, uh, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people across the world. Um, so, I, you, know, you know what, me, that's, and, and that's very appreciated. That's very humbling, you know, because some people, you know, I guess they would be so fast to take credit for it. Yeah, yeah, I was a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but it, it's great. It's great that you have that uh, you know that awareness, and you're humble about it, and you definitely recognize that you know you really came into it. You learned a lot. You took a lot from out of it. But uh, at the same time, uh, you know, while you know your efforts were appreciated, you know that it wasn't what you did wasn't anything significantly that uh, influenced the company. So I respect that. You know, I, no, I, 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 I respect I, I that. Lie to you and, tell, and tell you that you know what I did is the reason why that company succeeded. But hell no. Yeah, definitely. Def- definitely respect uh, a man of integrity. You know, business development. You know, definitely a very, very involved type of role. You know, how many hours was you working at Tumblr? Was you doing fifty, sixty plus hours a week there? Uh, I think it was kind of nonstop, honestly. Um, wow. I, I think it's I, I love the work so much that you know I I just try to get better and better and better at it. And even like if that meant like just going out there and meeting people. Or reading as much literature as possible that would make me better at my job. I was just always constantly trying to strive for more and more self improvement. Um, but it was cool, and I think business development was sort of a misnomer. You know, I really had an opportunity to see and do a little bit of everything, whether that even meant like you know taking stuff to FedEx and shipping things off, or you know working on getting publishers onto the platform, or thinking about how we were going to manage and present our analytics or how we were even going to use our analytics to inform the way we would think about growing uh, or investing in certain elements of the product or thinking about how we were going to monetize down the line and thinking about how we were going to go and expand internationally and create localized versions of the product as well. Um, but I, you know, it wasn't like I was killing myself when I was there. But I think I was. It was more. I think the, the work felt uh, hard and long, probably because I was on a constant quest for self improvement. That's great. You know, I definitely admire anyone who definitely constantly want to invest uh, in their self improvement. Going along the way, you know, you was a publisher, managing director of Inside New York, and then from there, uh, you know, you you, you went to uh, Tumblr. Uh, to become to become to to run a business development uh, department, you know, definitely uh, from which, you know from just hearing you talk and or everything you've been you know sharing your experiences, you know, you definitely seem like a very very driven person, very motivated, very kind of a tenacious attitude, uh, kind of that pit bull kind of kind of uh, kind of uh, you know attitude, which 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 is which is really what the entrepreneur needs to be able to reach the finish line. But as you were going through Inside New York Tumblr, did you find any type of kind of maybe tangible resources or any type of daily resources that you found to be inspiring, like a book or maybe like a, uh, maybe like any type of you know radio show or podcast, any, any type of those things that you felt that has helped you along the way? Yeah, so there's um... – I remember when I, you know, before I joined Tumblr and when I was at Tumblr, there, there's a venture capitalist in New York City, and his name is Fred Wilson. Um, he's got a firm, uh, he works at a firm called Union Square Ventures, and they were investors in Tumblr, actually. And back in those days, there wasn't a ton of, and like those days being, you know, 2008, 2009, early 2010, there wasn't a ton of literature on like how to do a startup uh, or how to think about you know raising money, or how to think about growing, or what types of companies work and what types of companies fail, and what 
what are the mistakes that founders make and what are the what are the areas where they you know successful founders where do they not make mistakes or what are the specific attributes that might make them successful and he has a blog uh, called avc.com avc and back then like every day uh, you know every single piece was like here's how to think intelligently about building a startup and i read uh, i a, i read everything i could not just on that blog, but like about startups in general and the tech ecosystem in general. Um, but that blog in particular was like the gospel to me. Wow. You know, every day a post would come out, I would be all over it, reading it, reading through the comments, trying to see what other smart people were saying in response to those various posts. And um, I, I do think that that was like, that era of his writing was probably the most influential literature uh, on me personally. personally. Wow, great! Yeah, yeah. Blogs is definitely uh, prior to it was acquired by Sky. Kind of, what was the inspiration behind that idea? Who else was involved, and some of the successes and challenges uh, along the way? So, I was uh, the, the question of why? Why do we create GroupMe? Yes, the inspiration behind it. Uh, music. Uh, we we're trying to coordinate going to a music festival with a group of friends, and we were frustrated because every time we went to a music festival or a concert with our friends. Um, we never had a good way to stay in touch with each other while we were actually at the event. And, uh, you know, uh, this actually started because my wife was complaining about an email chain she was on where her and all of her friends were planning to go to a music festival together. And she said, well, why can't I just do this over text message? Why can't I do reply all over text message? Um, because that's the only thing that actually works well when we're actually at this at these events. And you got to remember, like, these are back in the day, it's like not everybody had a smartphone then. And if they did have a smartphone, like maybe it was a first generation iPhone. And then, like, if not that, maybe it was a BlackBerry. So what we started off by doing was building Reply All SMS so that we could go see live concerts together better. And it worked wonderfully well. Um, you know, we used it with our friends, then our friends started creating groups with their friends, and then all of a sudden people we didn't know started using the product, and the next thing we knew, millions of people were using it, sending billions of messages every single month. How long was you, you know, you know how long did you have it going before, uh, you know, Skype was interested in acquiring you? Let's see, we built it at a hackathon in maybe June of 2010, and we sold it in August of 2011. Wow, so it grew really fast. Wow. Yeah, it was a wild ride. Yeah, that's, that's very impressive, very impressive. And very lucky is what it is. What's that? Very lucky is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Want the full episode? You can get it when you become a Prim20 Premium Radio subscriber. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription today. Get one hour commercial free episodes, private mastermind calls with our guests, and much more. Go to reachingthefinishline.com forward slash buy to get your premium subscription. For just another way to help you start reaching your finish line. Uh, to date, you have helped it over 4,000 small businesses secure 250 million dollars and funding let's talk about fundero what was the inspiration behind uh, creating such a great idea jared uh so the the inspiration well first off thank you um uh the, the inspiration came from uh my cousin mm -hmm. uh my cousin is a small business owner in ohio mm -hmm. if you're ever in ohio he's got a restaurant called fusion he now has I think nine or ten or eleven fusion restaurants open. They are amazing. It's like a Chipotle but for sushi. 
But, oh, that uh, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when, when, when I was at Groovy and I was doing a little bit of angel investing, I wanted to make an, an equity investment um, in his business so he could open up his third location. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, he only had two. Uh, so this was for number three. And he refused to take my money um, because he wanted to own 100% of the business. Mm-hmm. It was him and his father and his brother who owned all the business, and he wanted to keep it that way. Um, and he asked for a loan instead, and I told him no because I felt you know, a little bit shot down and resentful that, he, that I couldn't own a piece of the business and participate in the upside. And I told him to go to a bank and get a loan. And he told me that he had already gone to several different banks to get a loan, and he couldn't get one. And this was a red flag to me for a couple reasons. Reason number one was that this was a profitable business. He had two locations open, uh, employed you know 50 or 60 people at that, given, that point in time. Both locations were profitable and did several hundred thousand dollars in EBITDA, and he couldn't get $300,000 to open up his third location. Wow. And I came from the world of tech startups, uh-huh. where at the you know my previous company, GroupMe, and the company I worked at before then, Tumblr, uh-huh. these businesses were able to raise tens of millions of dollars in venture capital money uh-huh. with zero dollars in revenue. Uh-huh. And it was unclear if they were ever going to be able to generate revenue and turn a profit. So if I came from a world where you know, businesses were able to raise tens of millions of dollars to grow. And in the real world, in the middle of Ohio, you have a business that employs 50 or 60 people and is profitable and can't get a $300,000 loan to continue growing. I knew something was backwards. Indeed. Completely, totally backwards. So I started doing a lot of research with my cousin, Zach, and we went online to go look at what his various options were. And... It was a disaster. Mm. It was a complete and total mess. It took us, uh, I don't even know how much time, way, way, way too much time to A, get smart about what his options were outside of a bank, and then B, uh, start actually identifying you know, who, what, what lenders out there actually existed to help him fund and grow his business. We did searches on Google. We couldn't find any good literature about small business loans or business loans. We started clicking on ads, and those ads would take us to payday lenders and horrible brokers and brokers who were disguised as lenders and lenders who were disguised as brokers. Like, literally, yeah. these, these were people and companies that you, you know, if, if your parents or your grandparents or your friends or even yourself were talking to, you would just you'd feel dirty. Yeah. You know, um, and it, you know, it just it was bad. And what I realized after doing more and more research was that you know what, there were some good lenders out there. There are a lot of good lenders out there who were trying to provide reasonably reasonably priced capital to small business owners who couldn't get a loan from a bank. Which, if you look at small business owners, is over fifty percent of small business owners out there. Mm. Um, but I also realized that more often than not, small business owners were taking, being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. They were uh, taking out loans that were way too high priced, uh, when in fact they would be eligible for credit that was at a much lower rate and, and would be the right solution for their business. Mm-hmm. And the biggest learning that I actually had during, during that period of research was that the internet had literally done nothing, nothing, to transform the way that small business owners access and get smart about using small business credit. Mm-hmm. 
and I began to draw a parallel to the way that the travel industry worked, right? Think about the way the travel industry worked before the internet. Mm-hmm. You would use a travel agent. Yep. And you know how travel agents made money? By putting you into hotels and airlines and car rental services where the travel agent made the most amount of money. Mm-hmm. Not the ones that were the best for your wants or your needs or your desires or what you could really afford. The small business, and, and, and then the internet came around, right? Yeah. Then services like Travelocity and Expedia and Kayak and Priceline emerged. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they brought a, a degree of transparency that never existed. And they were able to use software to automate what travel agents did by creating a buyer's market and saying, hey, I'm a consumer who's looking to plan a trip. Connect, show me what all my options are in a very intuitive and easy way to, for me to understand so that I can make the right decision for me. And then that threw that entire industry on its head and took travel agents and turned that into an, an, an internet industry where, where software helped empower consumers to make great purchasing decisions. Well, small business lending, when I first started looking at it, looked identical to the way the travel industry looked. Uh-huh. Right? You had brokers who sat in the middle and took advantage of the information that they had. And they would steer customers, not to the lenders or products that were best for merchants and business owners and entrepreneurs, but to the lenders and products where the broker would make the most amount of money. Mm. And anytime you see an industry that operates with that level of information asymmetry, that's a seller's market instead of a buyer's market, you have an industry that's ripe for disruption, and ripe for the internet to come in and turn it all on its head and transform it into an industry where the business owner, where the consumer gets the buying power and they are the ones who are empowered with information to make the right decision. And that was the opportunity I saw and that was why we started Fundera. Indeed. And the person, now, uh, uh, now was Zach your co-founder or was did you have the same co-founder f- uh, from GroupMe to uh, uh, start Fundera? Uh, so my GroupMe co-founder, Steve, um, we, we actually we started an LLC together that we started doing a bunch of investments in uh, out of. And we actually started two different companies. Um, one that he, he runs a music company and I run Fundera. But we are deeply involved in each other's companies. We own big slugs of equity in each other's companies. And we're still business partners to this date. I see. I see. So Great. My, my, my co-founder of Fundera is a, is a guy named Rohan Deshpande. He's my co-founder and CTO. And we actually tried to aggressively recruit him at my last company, GroupMe. So it was nice to be able to work with him on this one. That's great. It's great to kind of kind of have a, a dedicated team. And despite kind of where you are, your entrepreneurial journey, for them to kind of you know, follow, follow you or, or be on board or at least stay in contact, you know, so that way when, when there's another opportunity that presents itself, they can officially uh, be on board. That's always great to hear. So, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely hard sometimes for an entrepreneur who doesn't want to go in business by themselves. It could be challenging for them to find a co-founder. What would be perhaps some suggestions you would offer you know, for example, if a person, if an entrepreneur wanted to go into business but do it with someone else, what would be some suggestions that you can give that can mitigate them picking a bad co-founder? Um, that's a great question. Uh, man, it's a, it's such a it's such a hard question to answer because there's so many different constructs and ways that co-founders work together. But I think you know. There's, there's a couple elements that uh, need to be true. Mm-hmm. Number one, 
you need to trust each other. Right. right? You absolutely need to trust each other. Um, number two, you don't have to be the best of friends in the world, but you need to enjoy each other's company, respect each other, and you need to know that this is the person that you are going to be able to, to level with at any given point in time. You're going to be able to be honest with at any given point in time and that you can rely on, not just when things go well, but most importantly, when your world is turned upside down and things are worse than you could have ever imagined that they would get. Right? That's so important mm-hmm. that you have the ability to, to persevere and weather tough times together. Because when things are good, everybody gets along. But sure. when, things are, when things are bad, that's when you really see somebody's true character. And you need to get a glimpse into what that true character really looks like before you make that commitment. And another important thing is understanding what your true character is right. when things get bad. What kind of person are you? And who's going to be the yin to your yang um, to counterbalance you um, and make sure that, you know, that for all of your, your flaws, they have uh, a strength. And Jared, as we come to a close, if people want to get in contact with you or if people want to follow you, how would they do that? Well, you can go to fundera.com. All of our contact information is there. You can read more about us and our service. You can always email me direct at jared at fundera, J-A-R-E-D, at F-U-N-D-E-R-A.com. Those are the easiest ways to do it. Great. And Jared, thank you for being our guest. All right, Callan. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist at Seen and Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.